The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, record. Uh, and, uh, oh, I think there, are we live? I hit the button. Uh, and we're live. It is Tuesday, August 23rd, 5.04 p.m. Cashmere Hill is on her way. We are not allowed to have fun anymore until she gets here. Um, <laughs> but um, we were discussing, while well, Scott was telling me, about his his realization about, um, about how TikTok, well, I think you put it really well. well I did TikTok writes the joke for you. Yeah, and you just appear in it. Um, uh, um, and, um, and, you know, if you've been on it for two days, which I've been on just for two days, I mean, I know we see the same distracted boyfriend, uh, boyfriend meme, but like, at least it's a different, like captions each time, whereas the same joke goes around and around. Um, I, I was amazed when I, I, I spent like, you know, two train rides going through TikTok. Um, and then when I went back to Twitter, I realized it's like, they don't write the jokes for you. It's like a, just a, it's just a blank space. And I was amazed on how much text there is. And Oh yeah. But then also, you know, TikTok is super interesting in that like people don't kind of like do the mundane or the self promotion, right? Like it's all about the jokes, but like, I would say solidly like Oh, you really? Twitter is making jokes and then like half of it is like I wrote an article and I can be like okay so it's oh. like a, it's like a or like a, I like got promoted to associate professor or like whatever it is and so there's kind of this like mix of but like but TikTok I mean it is mundane I mean in the sense that it's can can be boring and kind of tedious as you described but like it's not like here's a video of me eating breakfast but people will post video or like pictures of what they ate for breakfast on Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of a very different, like, why, why do we do that? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I, I think, right. So, right. We, what we have for breakfast, that's that, that what you'd post on, 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 on Twitter, but Cassie, you never we don't care up. that you were eating cheese, Cassie. Right. Like, right? Well, like, don't tell us just TikTok it or get the fuck out, Cassie. <laughs> also, also, I would say, do you, you, do you remember, maybe it still exists, PR Newswire? Like, so that like, if you, if you had a, if you had a press release, you know, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, meta beats projections by two cents a share, you know, you send it to, or, you know, that, you know, um, something about the South China Sea, you'd send, you know, there were ways of disseminating information that were, you know, kind of official-ish, but now Twitter is that kind of PR newswire for for the world, but oh, you could, really? yeah, but you could never do that on TikTok. No, you could, you, right, you could never say, you know, 
the Daiyo, uh, you know, the, it, now the South China Sea. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh no. That would be what that's that would be the PR newswire for like whatever the fuck they're doing in the South China Sea. <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. Um, oh my god. Yeah. I um this is like I needed this today. I have been Can like, you put up can you I'm sorry, can, just before that, can you put up a poll um oh, yes. uh, about like uh who prefers TikTok over Twitter over Facebook? Oh, yeah. I, I'm, um, I'm curious as to, I, I, I assume we have a more Twitter centric. I bet we do. Yeah. Um, but I bet we do. But like, I mean, I don't use, and we were saying this before, like, I, I don't know. Um, I will say this, that is probably different from you. Cause you were like, eh, I'm not, not that really into TikTok. I will like, there is that thing that happens where all of a sudden you're like looking at a video and you're looking at one and you're looking at another. And then all of a sudden it's like 45 minutes of your life are gone. Um, and that is, uh, I don't have it on my phone, like for that exact reason. Like, I just like, won't, I don't really care that much. Um, right, unless yeah. I'm like, something is like happening in my life and I really need distraction so that I don't like, I don't know. Like, I'm not like being anxious about something. I'll like go through it, but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you. Although I will say that, like, you know, my morning routine is I get up and, I, you know, a good hour and a half will go by uh, of me being on Twitter. But like, I, I mean, a lot of reading. I'll be a lot of clicking of links and then going back and forth. Um, it's a and whereas it's it, 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 Twitter feels to me more like tasty protein. Whereas, um, whereas, uh, uh, whereas TikTok just feels like pure sugar. Uh, yes, and, and yes. No, totally. That's a really good way of putting it. I also feel like uh, this reminds me of the time that my mom like clipped out. This is like, this is like classic. This is classic mom, early internet mom behavior. She like clipped an article in the newspaper out that was about RSS feeds and then like cut it out and then got her secretary to scan it in and then like scanned me the thing. And, and then printed it out and, and then passed it. Feeds. This was like in 2016. So like it's not, she was like, have you heard of these things called RSS feeds? And I was like, oh dear Lord, <laughs> like, what is going on? That is, that is, that, that is priceless about the fact that it got cut out and, and it, yeah. And yeah. attached to an email, like, like not yeah. a link. Like, I don't, there was just, there were many layers in which it was like, it was very kind of, it was, it was tragic. But like, yeah, I think that there would be some, like the, the TikTok version of that, if she ever discovered it would be like taping something on VHS and then mailing it to me. <laughs> can I, can you set up another, can you set up another poll asking whether yes. I should try to do TikTok videos? Ooh. See, my kids. You did, do the, you did do the really good soup counter. Yeah, soup. I know. So that's a that's a thing. And the cancel culture. But here's the thing: my my my, my kids, um, who are very savvy, um, um, uh, they they are sure I should not do it. Oh really? They, it's like even for I don't you. Think that, you can yeah, even for you, that. that's too far. Um, yeah, you're right. That's really good. 
I guess that's right. Because right, they don't. They don't. Like, this is kind of like if you ask your parents, like, should I become, should I quit my job and become an artist? They're going to be like, (laughs) (laughs) and if you say to your kids, should I get into TikTok and start making videos? They're going to be like, oh no, totally. Dad, dad, we want, we want all my friends seeing you go, no, 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 no. uh, Yeah. I think, I think you're right about that, that they may not be the most reliable respondents the more reliable respondents is the greek chorus and what do they say they say that you 16, should overwhelmingly you should but i'm curious can i hear maybe some of the hell no's yeah does anyone want to say no don't do it and come on and say come why on? yeah we'll see if people are see if cash is here yet someone keep an eye out for cash she's gonna be a little bit late um wait but, this isn't the sh- this isn't the show the show wasn't whether I oh could yeah no the show I mean, this can be the show i mean we used to <laughs> uh this is like i mean this was this right is, the, be- the beginning yeah exactly um let's see tim scott says that he'll come on let's see what tim okay tim tim thinks why he thinks that you there's hell no um Oh, he can't. He's not oh, live. Pet Noodle. I trust Pet Noodle. She pet volunteered. Noodle. Okay. Pet Noodle. Pet Noodle. Lisa. I, I trust Pet Noodle. I know. I feel like. I feel I, like. She, she's going to give you the reasonable view. Yes, I agree. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. Uh, hi, Lisa. Hey, how are you folks? Good. So Yay. why think that Scott shouldn't do TikTok? Well, I think that we would love it, but it just seems like it would take up so much of your time and that you probably have more, like, constructive things to do. (laughs) You know, I think about... Lisa, have you ever met me? No. Um, I mean, I feel like I know you really well because you're always on my computer. But um, <laughs> like I've been spending all this time over the past three days, like documenting this larva that's on our front porch, and it takes so much time to do things like that. Uh, that is that is, that is true. Well, and so, I was, you were just I, complaining about that. I was actually just complaining yeah. about, about my larva. Uh, no. Yeah, I was. <laughs> Not always about you, Lisa. God, I'm such a pain in the ass. It's too bad. No, but I I, I hear you because the thing is, Ben, with us, um, really nice guy. You should meet him at some point. Um, he he. So I'm I'm doing this hacking course um, with with Ben and Lawfare, and um, he Ben had this phenomenal idea that in addition to the syllabus, we would have a one minute video. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's in the class? Like a trailer. Um, like a trailer, exactly. But isn't it taking you like hours to get it exactly right? See, it's a it, pain in the ass. Yeah. Can I? Can I show? Can I show everyone my first one? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Are you going to do it by holding your it up to the? This is, by the way, I called Ben at some point because I was driving and listening to. <laughs> I was Scott. Hold on. That, that right looks great. <laughs> God, are you... <laughs> you need to get yeah, make a movie of that. Yes, it's just like <laughs> that looks great. Yay! Cash is here. I was okay. I'm gonna say, thank you, Um, I was just gonna say really quickly. 
that you uh that this is like I called Ben at some point while we were while I was driving and listening to the legality and I was like there's so much to love about like the jurisprudence podcast but one of the things that I really love is that it's just so clear that Scott is just hold like to do the intro and outro Scott is just holding his phone up to the microphone that's exactly what I did um yeah yeah yeah, it was pretty hilarious um i'm gonna bring cash in and um and so we'll have to now now the fun will really begin we were having a miserable time over the last 15 minutes (laughs) and now and then we get to talk about false positives on child uh, child sexual sexual abuse material yeah no hey friend hello Hi, it's so nice to have you back. Let me pull up your article, actually, um, so that I can. You can read it for uh, the first time. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read it yet, so that's like embarrassing. I didn't. I'm not supposed to admit that. Um, <laughs> no, um, Scott, have you have you guys been on the show together? Have you guys met each other? No, I, I've not had the pleasure. I'm Scott Shapiro. Nice to meet you. Hey, Scott. Nice to meet you. Um, Kashmir and I, um, way back in the day started, do you know that the first hit that I still get for you is your true slant page? Really? Cash? Yeah. On Google. I know. You. We, we were both, uh, cash was, uh, you were blogging for above the law and then you went to true slant and you were doing the not so private parts at true slant. And I was doing full court press, which was like a law, like a law blog while I was a law student. And then, um, and then I just kind of stopped being a, a full-time journalist, but you obviously kept going and uh, like have been wildly successful at it. Um, but you have, um, an awesome new story up that, uh, we have, talked about for a while like because you've been digging into this i don't know how long have you been reporting this out uh a uh, few weeks now sorry my yeah. daughter's peeking in here i can't right now Lev. i'm on an interview sorry <laughs> <laughs> um so let's, let's, yeah. let's back up and edit that out please yes Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott, scott's been spending too much time making for his um for his online hacking class um but so let me just give a like the the tldr of the story but then we're going to go into it in detail so how did you so like cashman wrote this story that is essentially about a person that had um taken a picture of their toddler young son's penis because it had some type of rash on it or something and they were sending it to the pediatrician and it was on his like google android or whatever and somehow in the photo back the automatic photo backup it got scanned um as being child sexual abuse material which might sound like not surprising because it's a picture of a young kid's penis and like, you know, but if you know how all of this works, it actually is quite surprising because child sexual abuse material is primarily identified through a thing called photo DNA, which is essentially like a hashing system that has like, there is like an app, there is a database that is held by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children that basically has all known incidents that have been reported to police of child sexual abuse material so that like, when that type of stuff gets shared because there is like thankfully hopefully like not like a that there is this universe of such child sexual abuse material that is not constantly getting remade and shared 
And so anyways, there's this one-to-one -one matching program through PhotoDNA, but it's not actually like, you know, this is one of the reasons that like you taking a photo of your kid in the bathtub, like, and sending it to their grandparents isn't going to get flagged as child sexual abuse material. And what Cash kind of found out is like, oh, there are all, there are like are some, a lot of false positives because essentially these tech companies are running ML technology, machine learning technology or automated technology to scan for new instances of CSAM. Um, so that was kind of crazy and no one had reported that, right? Like I remember like you told me and I was like, that seems crazy. That seems yeah. nuts. Yeah, I was reaching out to a lot of experts just asking, have you heard of this happening before? And I, I think for most people, this is the first, I think one of the first, maybe the first uh, false positives on CSAM. And um, honestly, it was a, it was kind of surprising to me. I had not realized that Google had rolled out this tool in 2018. I mean, they basically trained a, you know, child sexual abuse material, a CSAM detector, which is in a way, I mean, it's incredible. And you can see the appeal of such a tool to find kids who are being exploited or abused. Um, but I was just surprised because Apple, you know, ran into such a backlash last year when they were announcing that they want to do more CSAM scanning. Uh, and Google kind of was doing this thing that's pretty, when you think about it, you know, pretty controversial. And I just had not heard, I missed a big debate about this. And maybe it's just because there's a lot more stuff going on in 2018. You, you weren't the only one that missed it, though. Like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I taught a class on server-side scanning. And there, as far as I could tell, there was no discussion of this. Um, the, uh, um, just correct me if I'm wrong, but so the, the fear for photo, uh, DNA and, uh, 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 but, but more general, um, client, uh, client side scanning is the problem of what's called hash collision, um, is that you could have, um, different photos having the same hash and it would, you know, ping your, so, but um, uh, but I have I, I'm surprised that Google is using a, a very different technique, as Kate mentioned. Um, uh, what in, what incentive do did they have to be extra um, um, uh, strict about CSAM? Yeah, proactive. Thank you for that. That's the right word, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Cash? Cash? I mean, I, I think that there has been a lot of pressure on the tech companies to do something about this. You know, it's kind of almost every debate about kind of surveillance and privacy always comes back to child abuse, child exploitation. Um, and so, you know, I think that they're reacting to that and, and trying to be as, um, be as aggressive as possible and, you know, potentially finding kids that are being abused. And I mean, it's just, uh, I saw somebody in the comments talk about part of the reason that Apple was so controversial is because it was on, you know, the the client side. Uh, but essentially that's kind of what's happening in, in the two cases I wrote about. The, they had Android phones that were automatically backing up to Google's photos. Um, and so they weren't flagged because they sent 
the photos necessarily. They're flagged because they took the photos and it, they just have auto backup on so that they don't lose their photos and their videos if they lose their phone. Um, so in some ways, there's increasingly like no differentiation between what's on your phone and what's in a tech company's cloud because so many of us are doing auto backup so that we don't lose you know, all of this priceless data, which these two fathers just lost because um, they got their, their medical photos got flagged. So, but, yeah. the thing, uh, but uh, the one thing I just, so after the flack that um, Apple got over the possibility of false positives, did that, uh, if I were Google, I, 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 I would have, I would have stepped, I, I mean, I'm not Google, but, um, so I don't know how they think, but like, I would have stepped back from, from being super aggressive about it. If, no. Well, what I find so hard about this and really complicated for Google, I mean, uh, I think it's fair to say that Google's kind of adjudication process is just is not good here, that they really gave these fathers no real chance to provide the context for these photos and did not, you know, didn't seem to take into consideration that the police investigated both of these fathers and came back and said no crime occurred. You know, I talked to the San Francisco Police Department. They confirmed. I talked to the Houston Police Department. They described it as a misunderstanding um, that Google isn't taking that into consideration. But the actual photos themselves, I understand why they flagged Mark's photos. He showed them to me. They're explicit photos of you know, a child's gen genitalia. If I saw that photo out of context, I would I would probably think, yeah, this is potentially CSAM. And if it was being sent in a different context, you know, it would be. So it's not one of those, I write so many stories where the AI got it wrong. In this case, the AI got it right. There just was no chance to, to add that context to the human being, the human in the loop that's supposed to, you know, solve this problem. That, that, that human, like isn't willing uh, to do a correction here. Um, and so I think yeah. that's really the problem. So like we talked about this when I was giving you, we were talking about the story, but um, it's kind of worth re-discussing, re which was just kind of like what you said just now. And I kind of pushed back on it, I remember, because I was like, you know, they did get it correct, but they didn't get it correct. Because like, yes, with all of the context, and even in the case, I think it was of Mark, who is the person in SF that had like you initially did the story on um, that even in that case, like that there were other types of kind of maybe like, like, you know, other kind of pictures that seemed like they might be indicative of something, but like, if you kind of took them in totality, they might be suspicious, but they still weren't. Like this person was just not a, like a child pornographer. This was not being used for sexual abuse of material. And so it's like, it is really interesting what, correctness is in this context because like a photo is like you know it's kind of you know it's a little bit why like i kind of think the epistemological questions around mis and disinfo are so kind of reductionist and dumb which is like you know is like seinfeld real life like no it's not real life but it's like a very true depiction of one type of real life you know like you know like you could just get into all of these various types of layers it's like, would that be child sexual abuse material? Like, yes, it like it walks like a child sexual abuse material, talks like it, like it would be, but it's not because the intentionality behind it is not there. Um, but like humans did scan this, right, Cash? Like, didn't they look at Mark's stuff? Yeah. So what happens when Google flags something like this is 
Um, they do send it to a human content moderator to review what the AI flagged to confirm that it meets, you know, the federal definition of uh, CSAM. Uh, and then they, uh, they lock that user's account and they review it for any other exploitative material because most people that are apparently dealing this material, they usually don't have just one image. They're gonna have a bunch of other images. And so they might find new images they've never seen before, et cetera. So they'll review the account. And so in this case, Google did say that there was, you know, a human review process and they found this other video that they considered problematic. Um, and that it was, you know, basically a naked woman with a child. Um, and, you know, that this was on top of, but I don't know when they're describing it to me, I'm like, I don't know, that doesn't necessarily sound problematic to me either. Um, you know, they're crunchy parents, they hang out nude with their kids. Like I don't, that to me doesn't seem that weird, but it did feel very uncomfortable to be having that conversation that they're kind of digging this deep and looking at people's photos and just making judgments about how they're parenting. It's, it's, it is a slippery yeah. slope. And to, like, as we kind of discussed, like the implications for finding, so like Google is obligated if they surface something like this to report it to police. Yes. Um, and so there's this very real world effect I mean, listen, the, there was long-term private effect, which is that they, like, that Mark and the other person lost their ability to fully access their Google accounts, which in, impacted their lives in a bunch of different ways. But even kind of scarier is the fact that once you involve law enforcement, it's like, well, they could have had their kids taken away for a period of time. They could have, like, like, that, like, that, like there's, like, a ton of things that, like, you could just kind of see the police investigating this and deciding if they showed up and, like, Mark and his family were being crunchy and hanging out in the nude with their kids, like, when they came to, like, do a wellness check or something. And, like, and what that has absolutely happened, like, back in the day when people used to take their photos to be developed, uh, you know, this, I remember a case more than a decade ago, Walmart photo developer flagged people's um they had like bath photos that they are developing and the walmart photo developer person reported them to the police and apparently they did have like their kids taken away they ended up suing walmart suing the state uh but it was you know this is what happens kind of when you have a review process of people's otherwise private photos i mean there's good outcomes where you are there i mean i know i've written about cases where they have caught you know active child molesters because they were finding this kind of imagery. I mean, I, I, I do know there are good outcomes, but there, there is a big risk here. Well, I never thought of Walmart as being a big content moderator. Um, but, but I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's really true. Um, that like, I mean, I, they're not, uh, I, I, they're not legally obligated to, to, to look through these photos. Um, but, 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 um, it is, uh, you know, as you as you pointed out, like these problems, um, uh, uh, you know, long precede, um, you know, the internet, the internet, I mean, because people take, I remember, I mean, what's particularly strange um, is that um, the relationship that parents have to their children, their babies' bodies, especially, is that like, you're, you're like in it so much that you don't actually see see it as like, you know, genitalia or something. Like that. I remember my wife and I, we had this picture of my daughter when she was like 
a month old in the bath and we were going to send it out as like a as a Christmas like a, a, a no no as a birth announcement i remember oh. showing it to my advisor and him looking at it and going like this and i thought well you're a prude and then i uh, well he was a kind of a prude but um <laughs> But then I thought, oh my God, you know, actually this, this is human genitalia. You don't, you don't act. And it's, it's, it's of without their consent and stuff like that. And it just never occurred to me. And I'm sure it's the case with parents taking pictures of their children that, you know, that they don't think of it that way. And so it's, it's even, it's even more problematic um, than, than just invade, invading people's privacy. It's, kind of invading invading parent-child relationship that's um, all true i mean i like i i hate that we there there have been scholars that have written about this right like the way that we have set up federal penalties around these kinds of images kind of inherently sexualizes children's bodies in a way that's just mm -hmm. deeply uncomfortable um you know i i think about this a lot being a parent having young children they're playing with devices or taking photos. They're interested in their own bodies. And like, I don't want to body shame them, but I also am worried, you know, what if they take an image like this uh, when I'm mm. not around? I mean, I just think that that is a real, a mm. real risk. And obviously we see it happen with teens, right? Like teens are sexting and they're literally creating material that is illegal of their own bodies. I mean, it's just, oh, um, oh yes. Of that. Right. Oh, oh no. Like I think about, well, I do think about this stuff a lot because of content moderation, but this is like one of the things that I actually like one of the early kind of, um, I would say when there was, when there was like, um, uh, non-consensual pornography that like people would send around or other types of things. And especially when like you would get this frequently with like teenagers sharing a video or an image or a topless photo or something like that, that someone sent is that like, if some, like one of the ways in which, like the, the early on that they encourage people to deal with this or to kind of seek repercussions was to charge this other child with the possession of child pornography <laughs> and the and child sexual abuse material because they had, I mean, cause like, even if the, the like if say it's a boy and a girl, the guy is 14 years old and the girl is 13 years old, it's child sexual abuse material. The girl has created it. She shared it willingly, but like, she's not old enough to consent or create that type of thing. And so they can charge him with that. I mean, it's the same idea of kind of using, it's like these weird, and like this became this, by the way, I should say, this is like, I'm sure this is still used in certain scenarios, but it has like kind of gone a little bit by the wayside. Cause there, it has become so prolific that this happened so often. And there was obviously ruining like you were just like it wasn't actually a great solution to anything like you're ruining like another kid's life for being an idiot and like being a terrible person by sharing this type of image but also like permanently labeling them as sex offenders and things like that and so it was just like it was it was a very um yeah i think that this is i want to bring up really one thing before we start bringing in questioners though cash can you talk a little bit because i think this is uh, fasting, but like I love how when you report stories, you just have this knack of like finding yourself in strange situations, or not strange, but like weird quinky dinks. And um, this is one of those, uh, which is uh, so just kind of tell us how we, this all started off with Mark, who is like this former, like who is in like the Bay Area, and how you found your second source on this. 
Yeah, this is the secret of my investigative reporting is, is I'm, I, I'm very lucky and I get a lot of quinky dinks. Um, <laughs> so, you also work really, really, really hard. Let's just be totally honest. It's not like all quinky dinks. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, I, talking- you know, Napoleon famously said that generals make their own quinky dinks. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, um, so, you know, I'm interviewing Mark, I'm talking to him, I'm reporting on his story. And as I'm kind of like working on the piece, I'm trying to figure out, he couldn't find the screenshots on his phone of when Google first disabled his account. So I'm Googling, ironically, looking for what is the kind of language you would get on your phone when something like this happens. And I stumble upon this, this post on Quora from, um, um, somebody named Cassio and he's talking about, I took photos for the pediatrician, you know, uh, my account got disabled. Uh, I don't know what to do. And this all my, my account got disabled on this day in February, 2021. And it just read just like Mark's story. And so I just assumed that Mark had posted it as part of his, you know, um, trying to get help when this first happened and it had been posted last year. Um, but I mentioned it to him and I said, oh, you know, you have that one post about it. And he's like, I didn't write that post. In uh, my eyes just like widened. I was like, did your wife write this post? It is so similar to your story. I sent I mean, it, it was to similar her. in like, it was like down to like the, my son had a rash on his penis. They instructed us to like take, fo- I mean, it was like very similar and it was the same, it was like the same day or the yeah, day after. It was the same day, it was the day after. And so, I sent it to him. He just checked with his wife. He says, you know, no, this is not us. And so then I had to go and find that father and I get in touch with him and um, he's in Texas. And, you know, I had to kind of convince him to talk to me initially uh, because when he first wrote that post, he hadn't yet been investigated by the police. That happened later. And I think once it's you know, at first it's like, uh, you know, it may be catastrophic. It may be so difficult. It's like having your digital house burned down to not be able to get your Google data. But it's a different level when the police show up at your door and are accusing you of abusing your child. So he was kind of reluctant to talk to me at first, but we eventually we um, we, were, we were able to talk. And yeah, it was the exact same story that happened to him. And I that made me realize, you know, this isn't such an edge case. Um, you know, there's probably more of these people out there and it's a scary thing to come forward about. Um, and, uh, and even as I was working on this story, I would just be talking to people about it. And I was shocked by the number of people who were kind of like, oh yeah, like I needed to take a photo like that of my son, you know, after I got him circumcised, uh, my pediatrician got his iPad out and showed us like what had a whole bunch of photos of like kids' penises saying this is what it might look like after it's circumcised. Just many people with stories of having to take photos of their kids' genitalia, mostly for medical reasons. And I was just shocked. I was, you know, this happens a lot. Um, And I have heard since the story went out from pediatricians, from pediatric surgeons who regularly, you know, ask for these photos because they're so helpful after you do a surgery down there. There's like a bulge that can develop that's a problem. And so they'll ask parents to send a photo after surgery so they can know if there's a problem. Yeah, it's just, you know, I, I just I talk to Google. I, mean, I will just say. Pediatricians, but I just can't believe how often 
Well, what's really crazy is one, the pandemic, Mike, Mike Godwin points out in the chat that like in the pandemic, this is especially encouraged because people didn't want to come in. Two, I would say that like, by the way, surgical photos have been in some ways the surgical or medical photos have been in some way the bane of content moderation for a very long time. One of the main and kind of easiest, easiest content moderation rules is like if you can see the outsides on or the insides on the outside, like you, you know, if you can see like blood and guts or like a broken bone visible, but like obviously, like if there's a compound fracture, you're going to like, you know, and so like there's all like, are you not going to if you're a doctor on Facebook, like and you have other doctors that you're friends with, like what if you see some really interesting presentation of something? Okay. Like, I mean. There's just a lot of kind of, I don't know. Like, I, I think that this is all super, I think that it's all super interesting. But one of the things that really, and I think I, I'm i still very, still think this is weird, is that this happened on the same weekend with the exact same type of photos with two different people, both using Android phones. And it made me think that there was some type of fuck up in the Google classifier or the algorithm that kind of had like made this get flagged erroneously. Um, and then Google like said, like, didn't even like, they're like, no, that's not what happened. And I thought that was so fucked up. Like, I was like, how, like, first of all, you'd kind of think that they'd take that out <laughs> if they could, like, um, uh, and they didn't. And so that's, that was also something that I think that was really, have you had people contact you since the story came out? to say that like similar things have happened to them. You always have this happen to you, by the way. It's not a coinky dink. I encourage people to reach out to me if they've had similar things happen to them. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm sorry, what did you, I'm sorry, I, I, I missed what you said. I'm... Just, I encourage people to reach out to me if they have similar stories. I'm definitely, I'm definitely getting a lot. I'm definitely getting stories. Oh, okay. That, I, I wasn't sure if that was a coded way of saying. That was a coded way, but way to be like, way to ask the follow-up. Yeah, it's the version of, uh, uh, this is just a clarifying question. Can you repeat the evasive thing you just said? Um, uh, we, yeah, well, that uh, uh, may I ask, um, uh, without prying too much, around the same time as, as, as this, or it was spread no, out? I haven't had any follow-ups, you know, specifically in this. Okay, okay, gotcha, okay. Um, Dr. Doom, you have a bunch of great, great questions. Um, do you want to ask your first one? I think that it was the one that's the most upvoted. Sure. Um, Presumably, the the uh, the analysis happens at either upload or download, and your article has probably sensitized lots and lots of parents. Um, so, do you know if they're if these pictures are going to be reanalyzed, and do you expect a higher rate of these problems? And also, what would you recommend to parents in terms of uh, purging their archives? Oh, one other question, Cash, to follow up that on Dr. Doom said, I don't know if it made it into the story. I'm like, I haven't read it in a day or two. So, but um, what happened with Nick Mick taking the photo and entering this photo into their database? Because it's related to Dr. Doom's question. Um, but you had said that Nick Mick had taken the photo and they're like, oh, we like, we put the photo into our database. And I'm like, fuck that, it's a false positive. This is never gonna show up. Why would you hash this and like put it into your database? 
Um, yeah, so I'm, a part of that question, I don't know if I can answer. I'm not sure, um, like if Google scanning or how you particularly find these photos. Um, you know, I talked to a pediatrician who kind of focuses on child abuse. And she said, you know, you should never take these photos of your kids that you don't want to sensitive, you don't want to normalize taking photographs of your children's genitalia. And, you know, I pushed back on that a bit because I said we are in, you know, a telemedicine era. Sometimes a parent wants to track a condition. Um, and she said, well, if you have to make sure you're not uploading it to the cloud and that you delete it right after, because, you know, once you create an image like this, what if it does get out there? What if it does start getting, you know, uh, exchanged by people, which ironically is what happened here. Like, right. you know, this dad's photos got passed around at Google and now a yeah. lot of people looked at them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, that just sounds like a, a weird thing to say that you normalize taking pictures of your kid's genitalia as if that's going to be the gateway drug to child sexual, sexual abuse material. I, I, that's just a very strange argument, um, um, uh, I, frankly. I have heard from um, from parents who have gone to the pediatrician, like when pediatricians usually have to look around in that area, they talk a lot about it to kids and they say, you know, a stranger should not normally do this. I'm doing this because we're worried oh, I about see. it. I see. You don't want you. But, but the thing is, there's a lots of things that we say as parents to our children, like, you know, like, I'm, you know, it, it just, I mean, part of the relationship is, you know, that parents can do things to children, to their children. And, and you tell your children what other adults are not allowed to do to them. That, so that sounds like to me, almost like a fanatic thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, it just seems like somebody who works on the subject is a little bit too interested in that subject. Or I was, I was a little, I was a little surprised to hear. It. And part of why I put in the story because it wasn't something I had kind of thought about before as a journalist or as a parent. Um, but also, what Kate is alluding to. So, so yes. So this process. Part of the problem, I think, with this process all the way down is that there is no kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. Like the chain is Google finds something, it reports it to NCMEC, NCMEC reports it to the police, the police investigate, but then it doesn't go back up the chain. Mm -hmm. um, and so NCMEC doesn't know if a parent or, you know, if a person is prosecuted or not, or if it was a false positive, it's not going back to them. And so NCMEC, once it, um, and NCMEC is the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They're like the clearinghouse for this material. I, they're kind of, act as the gatekeeper so you don't have Google just directly, you know, finding problematic material in the user account and, and directly telling the police. They tell NCMEC and then NCMEC tells the police. Um, and so NCMEC, when they get a photo like this and they say, yes, this is CSAM, we're going to report to the police, they put it into their hash database as in it's now a known image. Um, and they also included uh, Mark Sun, for example, in there. They said, you know, last year they identified 4,260 child victims and Mark's son is counted as one is in there. Um, and so so now that these photos that were taken are known CSAM. And yeah, again, contextually, if someone else had them, they started getting passed around, then they would be. But in this case, the only other person who had them would be the doctor and Mark's wife. And Mark's wife has an iPhone. 
And so when I told them this, they just hadn't thought about this. She was like, oh my God, I need to delete these photos. If Apple ever started doing this thing where they're scanning people's phones for known CSAM. Then it's not going to be a contextual situation. It's going to be a literal known piece of pornography that she has like collected on her phone. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to go farther than you did cash because this is a little bit my prerogative of like a scholar is like that Nick Mick is notorious like as much as they do the the some of work on some of the nastiest stuff that exists on the internet and our heroes kind of in that regard they are from a civil liberty perspective have gotten a lot of pushback because they are the numbers that you talk about of like this is like a victim and they're counting Mark's son as a victim like they have very few disclosures in like the amount of fault. They know they don't report how many false positives that have been flagged. They don't report how many pieces of pornography are even in their database. They don't report like how many they've added. They don't report how they do. Like there's just no knowledge about how this giant kind of like database of materials collected or generated, how it could go wrong. And like, as we intend, like, you know, and so I, I just think that there's, you know, this is one of really, I, I would say like, you know, and the reason that they push back is like, I kind of, to Scott's point, like, I kind of like, you know, it's, they don't have the best, like, they really kind of fall on this, like, well, this is horrible. And so you don't want this stuff up here. So you just have to trust us that we're doing this and we know what we're, but like, what you just described is like any rational person, like, would not like also can i just say like what if something ever happens to the nickmic database or some type of thing in which there is some type of reverse engineering or anything that happens and it's like now there have there is a threat that there is some way in which like mark son has been entered like a database of material that is like you know that could potentially put him at risk and that's a little bit like far afield but i do think that there's I don't know. I just think that like there needs to be a lot more transparency with something like Nick Mick when it's in charge of this type of thing. But also that like they can definitely have a little bit more transparency without kind of putting them at risk for trolls or like the bad actors that they're so afraid of. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I'm I'm empathetic to Nick Mick. I'm empathetic to the people who work on this issue at Google. I mean, they are dealing. I mean, they see awful, awful stuff. And there's been a lot of like work done in the technology industry to try to keep people from having to look at these photos, like coming up with AI that describes what's happening in the photo. So they don't have to actually look at the photo. Um, But I mean, having this be part of your job, it's just, it's got to warp how you see people. Um, Like, I, I like to, you know, I just don't, I don't, I don't assume this is something that's happening to kids, you know, but they have seen all these kids that this has happened to. So I think for somebody like Google, when they see images like this, I I, I imagine the people that work on this specific issue have a hard time thinking, oh, actually those images are innocent. Um, Because I think they've seen so many times when the images aren't innocent. So in terms of the humans that are making this decision, that has to be part of it, that they're looking at these things all the time, they're not going into it with the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Oh, Scott, I muted you because a uh, train was going by. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. If, if, if you think about the risks that um, Google faces, imagine the story you would tell if 
um, you know, they just let these child uh, child sexual abuse materials go. You know, you'd be like, Google doesn't care about uh, about about this problem. So th um, I also imagine that they thought that nobody was going to hunt down the false positives um, in the way that you have. Um, so, um, uh, but I think the incentives are definitely in terms of the false positives um, at a certain point. Yeah, I'm, I'm very cognizant that for Google, this has got to feel like a one-two punch in a, in a way, because, you know, my colleagues on the investigative desk did uh, a hard, you know, look at this problem of there's just millions of images on the internet of kids being abused, um, or at least millions of images that are classified that way. And I think it's evident now that there's definitely false positives in, positives in there. But even knowing that, there's still just a lot of this happening. And so they did a story that was kind of saying, why aren't the technology companies doing more to stop this? And so to have that story come out in 2019, and then my story to come out saying, "Wow, you've you've really um, you've really done it wrong here." I realize it's difficult. It's difficult for them, and this is just not an easy job. And that technology companies are being asked to kind of step in and play a law enforcement role, like yeah. you know, I said the story be sentinels, and they're they're gonna make mistakes. I mean, uh, you yeah. have one company that's just dealing with. I don't know how many users Google has. I mean, a billion users, I'm sure. Um, it's really, it's really, it's really, it's really hard to be a trillion dollar company who basically controls the world's information. That, <laughs> no, there, it is. there is, you know, you're going to be subject to these, you know, it's really hard to. It's hard uh, to be king. Yeah, it's hard to be king, exactly. My friend, my friend, Charlotte Wilner, who run, who has worked in um, trust and safety for years and now runs the Trust and Safety Professionals Association, uh, is fond of saying that trust and safety, the T and S stands for trade-offs and sadness, uh, mm. <laughs> because, which I think is like, just a perfect like mm. charlotte's very clever but this is also exactly correct like there just it is trade-offs and sadness and there's going to be times that like you know the bad stuff gets through but to your point like i do think that csam material is the type of thing that we're going to keep ratcheting up the type of thing and caring less and less about the false positives and if there isn't somebody out there also like as i told you and we talked about cash like the real thing is like once they once the feedback does come down and you realize that this has happened it just is not that crazy to build some type of loop back up so that you can try to like kind of like deal with it and um rectify the situation um and so yeah i think that that's a really good point richard wattenberger can you hear me? Oh, i can be heard okay um so uh I guess one of the things that kind of puzzles me about this, uh, about Google's no tolerance policy is that, um, you know, I can appreciate that, for example, it, you know, you have 100 million images and, you know, you've trained your AI well, but if it's still letting, uh, you know, if it's making an error on 0.1% of those, that's still 100,000 cases. Um, that's 100,000 false positives. And that's a lot. Um, so I'm just, I, I guess I'm puzzled from the internal management and process side. Why don't they have a, uh, a more robust 
process or, you know, or have a process in place that is going to handle um, these cases? Are, are they overconfident in the technology or are they just not thinking about these things? What's going on? Or do you have any sense of that? I mean, my the very first case, I uh, sorry, the very first story I did at the New York Times was about Facebook users who like broke some kind of Facebook rule and got kicked off of Facebook and then couldn't get their accounts back and like went to all kinds of lengths to adjudicate it. I think these days now that Facebook has the the Quest 2, people will literally buy the $300 Quest 2 because with hardware, you get to talk to a customer support person. And so they'll buy it to try to get like their Instagram account back. Like it, it is a problem. And I think in part, it's a problem because Google, Facebook, Twitter, you know, these companies are offering their services for free slash for data and for your eyeballs to look at ads. And, you know, there's that long, that like very old adage, you know, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. And that 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 plays a big role here like you are the you are the product and there is not product there's not product support um like i think it's an under-resourced part of these companies uh because you're not paying them and how much you're worth to them in terms of like what your data is worth is very minuscule it's in aggregate uh that their customers are worth a lot of money um so and and there's nowhere else to go, right? right. The, the the final thing, right, is that right? The, the, you you you're a marginal benefit to them, but like to you, being on the platform is enormously important. One of the things, in in my time uh, with the Hertz story, and then also like doing all of this stuff on like, I wrote a piece for the Atlantic on getting locked out of my Twitter account and like getting false flagged for that. And then like also getting false flagged for Facebook and then having the connections to all of those platforms to get myself back in. Um, there is this really, I think this is one of the, this is one of the things that I hate the most about these platforms is that you're right. Like an average person has like no ability to kind of leverage those types of connections. And they're just one tiny product of the 3 billion people that Facebook is productizing or productizing. Um, and I just, but I like, I get, I still to this day get probably a couple emails a week from people who have issues with Hertz or are locked out of their Twitter accounts or are like, or are like have issues with their Facebook account. Um, I mean, some of them are really kind of sad stories. Like they're like, my son is like a rise is like a Texas football star in high school. We have like the way they do recruiting to get into college and get scholarships is to have like these reels and to have like an entire Instagram like presence mm -hmm. and to, and to like collect all the clips, like they took down his account and now we can't like basically market him to schools for scholarships. And it's kind of like on the one hand, this person is like gonna be okay, but like it totally changes the trajectory of your life. If at like 17 years old, you're not getting a scholarship to college because your Instagram account was shut down. And I also like, but I also, you know, you cash can't write stories about each of those people. And I can't like be trying to break those people out of Instagram jail, um, you know? And so it's just, it's, it's a really, it's, it's just like, a, it is like a crazy problem and only like a couple of the paradigmatic individual cases ever make it to kind of create the type of pressure on these companies. 
um, and get picked up by media. So, and I think it's hard because they are, and you know, both Mark and Cassio, the other dad, just described Google to me as kind of like a public utility that they take they took for granted, and they're like the government needs to do something about this. Like, you know, Google shouldn't be able to just delete all my data. Um, and I, and I, and I do think that that is a little unfortunate that, that I get it. Okay. Google doesn't want them as users. They sent naked photos of kids. Google doesn't care about the context. It doesn't want that kind of, um, exposure. content or exposure, you know, on its platform, but they come back with a police report that says they didn't commit a crime. Let, let them do Google takeout, like let them walk away with their, their data and then, you know, never let them be Google users again. But just to, to take away that data can just, I mean, it's contacts, it's email. I, I just, I mean, I, I think my next story is going to be about what, how do I get all my data off the cloud? Because if this happened to me, it would be devastating. Um, research I've done for my book. I mean, it's just so much that's just in my email. And I just assume I'm already always going to have access to it. And if it went way overnight, I mean, I would just, I don't know what well, I would do. you don't even just assume. I used to have, I still do have like these, I have these, it's actually because we moved. We've been going through all of these hard drives that we have and things like that. And I have like my hard drives that I removed from all of my old crappy laptops that I put in external drives that are from like high school. And I used to meticulous, I mean, this was before you could type in a keyword search and like find the document you were looking for. I meticulously file things and like these like crazy files. I don't do that anymore. I don't do that at all. Like mm -hmm. I count on the fact that I'm going to be able to search and do like a real language search and be able to find what I'm like looking for. My hard drive is a mess because of this. Like there's half of this stuff is in downloads, half of it's on the desktop, half of it's in the iCloud desktop, like whatever the fuck, it's terrible. Um, but it's a great, it's like a really great point. I hope you write that story because I feel like it would be a service. Um, yeah. Next or, coming. <laughs> yeah, but also- Don't scoop like, me. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not gonna scoop you. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but uh, we have to we have to leave it there. This was really fun. Um, I don't know that- Hey, thanks for being a source for the story. Oh yeah, you're welcome. I didn't like do that much. It was just super interesting. I don't know. It was super, it was a super interesting story. I'm really glad you wrote it. I'm just like, I do think that like, you know, as Scott so wisely said, it's really, it's really hard being like a, like a $3 trillion company yeah. that holds all the world's information. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, let's think about it from their side for once. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, we've just been dumping on them and everything. Um, I, I, th thank you so much for coming on. This was, uh, uh, CSAM is, I mean, it's a terrible phenomenon, but it's also an absolutely fascinating set of issues that run through lots of different um, debates. And so it's, it, this was a particularly um, uh, clear example of things going really wrong. Um, and um, thank you so much for coming on and for writing the story. Thanks for talking about it with me. Uh, we will be back. I'm going to drop the link one more time into Cash's story in case you missed it. Um, and we will be back. Um, we will be back on, oh, tomorrow. Um, ben and Genevieve will be doing the show. And then um, it'll be me and Ben on Friday. And we have an awesome guest who just wrote an amazing book, um, law professor, uh, in, who's a contracts professor. And that will be many hours and many minutes from now and until then scott 
Oh, we can't have fun anymore, but we have always, we have complete control over our data. Nobody can take that away from us. Yeah.